are Fusion Church located in Fishkill, New York. Welcome to our podcast. We are deeply passionate about reaching people with the gospel and seeing lives changed. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message will inspire you and bring you hope. Enjoy. Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Pastor Armando. I'm super pumped and excited to be here with you guys today. We are in the fourth part of our message series entitled Failing Forward. And if you're joining us for the first time, this message series is really designed to help you to move from those moments in life where we feel like failure. Some of us have taken on the label of failure to to leave all those behind, to shed those labels and to move forward in the life that God has for you. Now, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. Some of us have been walking with God a long time. Others, it's like a kind of a brand new thing. Some are still spiritually seeking, but scripture says that God has a plan a purpose and a potential for your life. And God does not want you to live life like a failure. He has given you everything you need for success, everything you need to move forward, everything you need to be victorious in Christ Jesus. And as we discover God, right, together, we discover more of what God has for us. So as we dive in today, let's go to uh, set the context of our discussion with Matthew 25, verse 14 to 18. So a, um, a rich man uh, is going on a journey. Uh, he called his servants and entrusted uh, his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, uh, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. The one who uh, got two bags of gold uh, did the same and won two more bags. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about your ability You see, so many of us go through life and we look at what we have and we deem it to be insufficient. We look at it and we're like, what I have just isn't enough. And we're actually blinded in our ability to see what we have because we're overly focused on what we don't have. This becomes painfully obvious to us when we become parents, right? You get your kids some things at all different various ages. And after the allure and the excitement wears off of that new thing, they start complaining over what they don't have, right? And so many of us, uh, are, you know, our judgment is clouded by those moments in life where we just look at what we have and deem it not to be enough. And in many ways, uh, we are like our children with God, right? We, we go through life focused on the things we don't have. And when we do that, we never actually allow what we do have to amount to anything because we underappreciate it. We undervalue it. We underutilize it. Uh, it just kind of stays stagnant in our lives. And there's two main reasons why we do this that we have to really explore today. Number one is what I call the comparison trap. So many of us, we draw comparisons between what we have and others. And you know what? We often, unless you're a narcissist, right? We often look at what others have and we think the grass is greener on the other side. And we're like, hey, I don't have what they have. They were successful because they had this, 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 and that. And I don't have that, so I can't be successful. We draw these horrible comparisons and I call it a comparison trap because in the end, it is a snare that is around you and it totally uh, captures you. And it's so difficult to break out of uh, comparison because we end up discrediting ourselves and what God is in trust to do us because we think it's not as 
you know, as valuable or better than what the next guy has, right? So this living with this discrediting of ourselves greatly hurts you and I, and so many of us live that way, clouding our ability to see what, you know, what we have because of felt failures, experiences of failures in the past, and God wants to break you through that. The other reason why uh, we, we often don't see it is because of what I call easy street, and that's when we put our hands to something, put our hands to the plow, and we're like, you know what, God? It wasn't supposed to be this way. It's not as easy as I thought. This is a lot harder. Uh, we see this a lot again with kids, right? You know, um, they think things are going to come easy. And you know, how many of you know that um, anything built there was a season of suffering to get there, right? When you look at your home, right? A builder looks at a home and, or a, a fallow ground, if you will, right? And he envisions a home and every home starts with plans and plans turn into breaking soil and soil turns into a foundation and upon a foundation, uh, sticks are put, right? Uh, they put lumber and then in that lumber, they put insulation and they put electrical and, and then the, the house is built little by little. The end product is a house, but if you you know, if you go through life thinking like, hey, you know what, I'm going to get what I want immediately, we're always going to give up because oftentimes things in life that are worth fighting for, uh, you actually have to fight to get there. It doesn't, it doesn't come easy, right? And then we look at these beginnings, right? And we, and so many of us give up long before we even put our hands to the plow simply because it was harder than we thought. But Zechariah uh, 4.10 says this, do not despise humble beginnings. Do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise little beginnings. For the Lord rejoices, say rejoices. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. When does God rejoice? God rejoices even long before the outcome you and I want. God rejoices the moment that you put your hand to the plow. God rejoices the moment you take a step of faith. God rejoices and he's glad the moment you take a step forward in your life. God rejoices when you choose to do something instead of doing nothing. How many of you know the small things in life matter? They do. It's the little things. And you know what? God is honored when you and I take a step of faith, no matter how small it is. So many of us discredit ourselves. We look at these big faith warriors and we're like, man, I can't be like that person. I don't have what that person has. Man, look at their walk with God. It's amazing. Look at their relationship with their spouse and with their kids. I can't do that. And what you got to recognize is God is pleased the moment the work starts. Really, please, the moment the work starts. And God measures your life so differently than you and I measure our lives, right? God is pleased when the work begins. And we have to turn our heart over to that reality and move our focus from the finality of something to, hey, you know what? God just wants me to take this little step of faith, right? So many of us look at God and we have these, uh, these gross misunderstandings of God, that he's this big judge who sits over us. And he in, indeed is big. He indeed is a judge, but he doesn't desire to judge you. He desires to love you. He desires to grow you. He desires to mature you, but it takes a step of faith. And you gotta be able to see what God has given you. And it's my belief today, if you open up your heart, God is gonna show you what you have. How many of you wanna see what you have? I don't know about you, but I do. I wanna see every gift. I wanna see every talent. I wanna see every ability God has given me so that I can put it to use for his kingdom, right? And I can stop feeling bad about who I am. I can stop feeling bad about how I don't measure up and I'm not like this person or that person, but I am fearfully and wonderfully made, scripture says. So are you, that you are uh, the apple of God's eye. God chose you, not someone else, right? And he chose you to do what you're called to do, not somebody else. And there's a great cost, guys, of not seeing it. If you don't see it, 
It leads to insecurity in life. If you don't see what God has given you, you're never going to put it to work and we're always going to settle for less. We're going to have a less than mentality. We're going to have the comparison trap mentality. We're going to have the easy street mentality. And the reality is we're never going to walk out in faith. We're never going to take a step forward. We're going to spend our lives playing it safe. And when you do that, there's a cost to it. So in that story or that parable we read, uh, the rich man comes home and he wants to come home and settle accounts with his with his stewards, with his servants. So he comes in and to the first guy who he gave five, uh, five to who multiplied it to 10, he says, well done, faithful and good servant. You've, been, uh, you've done a great job with the gifts, talents, abilities I gave you. You've multiplied them. To the one who had two who now made four, right? He multiplied them. Uh, well done, faithful and good servant. You've been faithful with what I've given you. To the one who had one uh, uh, piece of gold and he buried it. He didn't hear well done and faithful servant. He actually got a correction and a rebuke for playing it safe. And in response to playing it safe, we spend our whole lives making excuses. We spend our whole lives living these, uh, these lives where we're not taking a step forward in faith only with regret and bitterness and resentment. And the truth is we end up having to blame somebody. And in this parable, who did he blame? He blamed his master. This is actually what he says. The man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I was afraid of you. It's actually your fault that I didn't uh, multiply what you gave me. Uh, The master goes on. And he replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you know that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Question mark, right? He's not saying he does that thing. He's actually pointing out the man's error and that you're making me and others responsible for your lack of walking by faith. You see, when we live a life where we are adverse to risk and we don't take healthy risks and we play it safe, your life turns into regret and bitterness. And what we end up developing is a mentality where we blame others for the missed opportunities in our life. We start to blame our bosses at work because I didn't get that raise we, or that uh, promotion. We start to blame our spouses that our relationship has uh, come to an end. We start to blame our kids. We start to blame our, our siblings and our families for all of our life problems. That's the outcome of playing it safe. It's a spiritual cancer in your life. God wants you to walk by faith, not by sight. For some of you, it's time you start taking risk. Let's go on. Uh, Then he says, you should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received uh, it back with interest. Basically, in this parable, he's saying, look, there was a lot of things you could have done. Here's one example of what you could have done. But because of your inability, your desire not to take a risk, not to walk by faith, you've taken the easy route. Then he goes on. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Man, what a hard reality. But what is being taught here? That the person who takes risk, who walks by faith, there will be a great reward. What's the application here? The person who plays it safe, the person who uh, doesn't take healthy risk with God, who doesn't walk by faith, but walks by sight, there is no reward. There, there often very much is a consequence in life for that person. Playing it safe 
will cost you. When we play it safe, all as we ever do is create very mediocre lives. How many of you want a life of mediocrity? Nobody, right? So William Arthur Ward says this, the price of excellence is discipline, but the cost of mediocrity is disappointment. You see, the reward for walking by faith is a faith life experience where you see the best that is yet to come. You actually get to walk into that. You walk into the best for your life. You walk into the best in your relationships. You walk into uh, all of these areas of blessing because you've chosen to walk by faith, because you, got, you gave God something to bless, but the cost of playing it safe is the absence of growth and it leads to mediocrity in your life and we end up living a life of disappointment. I'm willing to bet there's some of you here today that are like, man, I, I'm disappointed now. I don't have to wait to the end of my life to decide I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in my relationships. I'm disappointed in my marriage. I'm disappointed in my finances. I'm disappointed with my kids. And the antidote to disappointment is take a step of faith. The antidote to I wanna get out of my own way is I gotta choose to walk by faith, not by sight. I gotta give God something to bless. But yet we sit here and we're like, but I still don't see it. I don't have much. Man, there's an encouraging story in scripture of this little boy who didn't have much either. A little boy who, you know, was by all measures of the imagination, probably uh, financially struggling, didn't have anything, had very, very little, but what he had, he trusted God with. And what he trusted God with, God multiplied. And in that is a spiritual truth that you and I need to grab onto is what you give God, God always multiplies. Say always right? God always multiplies what you give him. When you take a step of faith, God always blesses that step of faith. Maybe not always the way we think it's going to come, but he's faithful and just to do that. Scripture says, when you knock, the door will be open. Seek, you shall find. God is for you. He's not against you. But some of the blessings you're waiting for God for, God is waiting for you to give him something to bless. So this little boy didn't have much, but what he did have, he gave, and it made a world of difference. So here's the context. Jesus is doing a lot of ministry. He's tired from ministry. He gets on a boat. He crosses the Sea of Galilee. He goes up to a mountain uh, with his apostles to rest, but they see a large crowd forming and following them along the sea. We're going to pick up with uh, John 6, verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, uh, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread? for these people to eat. He asked this only to test him, say test. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread uh, for each person just to have a bite. Let's stop there because this rattles the theology of a lot of people on both ends of the uh, spectrum, right? Some of us are like, God testing us? Why would God test us? That doesn't make sense. God doesn't test people, right? That's one extreme. The other group of people are like, oh no, God tests us. And when he tests us, it's because we're being punished. What you got to understand is God does test us, but it's not because you're being punished. You see, if we go to the Hebrew and the Greek, uh, the Hebrew word for test is bachan. And the Greek word for test is uh, bakimazo or dakimazo. And this is what both of those mean, to put to test to prove, to examine, to investigate, to scrutinize, to approve. You see, God puts us to the test to expose our heart. You see, when he asked this to Philip, 
He was showing Philip the absence of faith. What he was showing Philip in this moment is that Philip had a perspective that was focused on what he didn't have as opposed to what he did have. And what he had was was Jesus. He was walking with God. And what Jesus was going to show him is, man, you with little faith. So Jesus does, allows for testing your life to, to show us and expose our hearts, but to show us also areas of needed growth. You see, a test also grows our faith through trial. And the last thing a test, test does is it actually helps us in our ability to know God. You see, every time we find ourselves in a valley and a test that is from God, it helps us grow in our knowledge of God because ultimately the outcome of a test should run us toward God. So scripture goes on and we got, what we gotta realize before we jump into this next guy in scripture is that a tested faith is a trusted faith. If somebody comes to you and tells you, hey, I'm a, I'm a matured believer, the question we gotta ask is, have you been tested? You see, a tested faith is a trusted faith. So let's go on to the next guy, right? So verse eight, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? He couldn't see it either. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in this place. They sat down. Scripture says there were about 5,000 men plus women and children. There were probably over 10,000 people, maybe 15,000. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who uh, were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces and left that, that are left over. Uh, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled the 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over uh, that, that had been eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is a prophet who, uh, who has come to the world. Andrew and Philip were completely blinded, but what blinded them was their focus. So many of us have a unhealthy focus. If our focus is on what we don't have, as opposed to the things we do have, we're blinded, and we're not able to see what we have. You see, you can't be thankful, and you can't live with a heart of thanksgiving, you can't live with a life of gratitude while focused on the things you don't have. What, what's the antidote to me? What do I do? In my life, every day, I remind myself to practice gratitude. What does that mean, practicing gratitude? It means I'm taking my eyes off of what I don't have, and I choose to place it on the things that I do have, that have been given to me, that have been entrusted to me. And you know what the outcome is? A blessed life. I feel blessed. I feel like the richest man in the world simply because I practice gratitude. What does that sound like? God, thank you, God. Thank you for what you gave me. Thank you, God, for my unique gifts, talents, abilities. Thank you, God, for my relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, God, for what's happening. Jesus, thank you for the calling on my life. What I'm not doing is, God, why don't I have this? God, why don't I have that? Because if I, and I've done that in my life, right? We all have. When I've done those things, it's brought death to my, to my soul, to my spirit. But when I practice gratitude and thanksgiving, it brings life, you see. And the things I am suffering with, I, I do share with God. God, I'm suffering in this area but I know you can do something with it. Like I even practice gratitude with, with what hasn't happened yet. Guys, that's called faith. I'm able to see something with my spiritual eye and believe God for what's ahead, even though I don't have it now. And I'm giving him thanks even before 
it happened. Let me share with you guys uh, a little story of a couple faith warriors. When we uh, were called to Fusion Church, Fusion Church had about five people in it, and they were all faith-filled warriors. Every single one of them was a faith-filled warrior. The church was a small church that they were actually contemplating closing. I mean, a small church of five, right? Contemplating closing. But there were three people I just want to chat about on our team today. Uh, from the original fusion, right? Uh, there's Miss Veronica, who's our kids ministry. There's Leslie, who's one of our trustees. And then there's Gabe, who works on our AVL team and helps us, uh, you know, every morning uh, on Sunday with, um, you know, w- with our visual. And these guys were part of fusion even before I was called to be a pastor of fusion. They were there for five years. And there were five people left when God called us. And you know what? They stayed because they saw with their spiritual eye what God had envisioned for fusion. And sometimes they would come in and they would believe God and they would pray for five years that growth would happen. They would pray for five years that new people would come. They would pray for five years that fusion, uh, God would work through fusion church to do great and amazing things. And they held on and they walked forward and they were faith warriors and they were thanking God for what was ahead. And you know what? They stayed with it. And then, you know what? God did amazing things. Now we look around at three years or so after the relaunch and we look around and we see all that God has done. We see a tremendous amount of growth. We have new people coming in every week. We have families. Everything they saw is happening now. Everything they saw is happening now. And what they did was they practiced gratitude. They believed God for great and amazing things. They walked forward by faith, not by sight. I imagine there were times they felt like giving up. There were times they looked at their efforts and thought, man, it's not amounting to much. But they waged war in the spiritual realm. They moved forward. They served God with everything God placed in them because of a time such as this, right? Like, and it's all coming about, and the story's not done yet. Like, we look at the reality as great things are happening, but even greater things are gonna happen in the future. The best is yet to come, and what you gotta ask yourself, the self-assessment moment, is God, where has my focus been? Like, ask God that right now. Maybe take a moment and write that down, what the Holy Spirit shows you. God, where has my focus been? Has it been on the things I don't have, the things that other people have that I want, and because I don't have that, I feel like I'm never gonna get ahead. God, I feel like a failure. Or is it, God, I'm gonna fail forward, God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you with what I have that you're gonna multiply. God, I'm gonna give you my prayers. I'm gonna put all of my hope into what you're doing, God. I'm gonna serve you with the gifts, the talents, the abilities I have, God. Like, God, I am all in. Where's my focus been? And now we gotta ask a second question. God, what is it that I have? Ask that question, write it down. God, what is it that you've entrusted to me? What is it that I have? Can you see it? Can you see what God has given you? It's the small things that matter. God rejoices at the beginning. It's the little things that count. And so many of you might be sitting there right now and you're like, Pastor, I'm struggling. Like, I don't know that I see it. I, I don't know where, where I'm gifted. And that little boy, all he knew is that there was a need. What he knew is he had some fish, two fish. He had a couple loaves of bread. But what could Jesus do with it? Man, I'm gonna give it to Jesus. It's not much. It's humble. But I'm gonna give it to him. And I'm gonna believe that the same Jesus who gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, 
life where there was death, healing to the leper, the God who walked on water. I'm gonna give him the little I have and I'm gonna believe him for great and amazing things. Guys, it's time for you to start giving. It's time for you to start pouring again. It's time for you to start giving to God in faith what God has placed inside of you because God will change your world with it. He will change everything that you've ever experienced with what he has placed in you, but it's time to give back. Here's a couple ways you could start to understand how you're uniquely gifted. And this is in your church app. If you don't have our church app, you can get it simply by going to our website, downloading the app, or you can text, Fusion app, that's one word, to 77977. Again, it's Fusion app, one word, to 77977. And all of these notes are in that app. But let's look at some of these questions, right? So a couple ways I could come to understand how God has uniquely gifted me, what God has given me to serve him, is what drives you? That's the first question. What what drives you? Take a moment, write it down. What drives me? What do you love doing? Question number two, what is it you love doing? For me, I love helping people. One of the greatest joys of my life is being able to come along someone in need, come along uh, by somebody who has a need and just help them, help them with anything. Just brings joy to my life. What what is it you love doing? It could be anything else. It could be a hobby. It It could be anything. Number three, What do people identify they love about you? What have people said, man, I love this about you. I like this about you. I admire this trait about you. Write that down. Number four, what's important to you about life? What's important to you about life? Number five, how do you wish you could make a difference? Man, write this one down. Think about that. Like really ask the Holy Spirit if you don't know. God, how do I wish I could make a difference in this world? In my world, in the world of those around me, maybe in a more macro sense, in the global world? Like, how do I wish, if I could do anything, how would I make a difference? Number six, what do you have that can help? Whatever that thing is, for some of us, maybe for you, it's, man, I I want to address children issues, and nothing breaks my heart more than a child in need, like child in hunger, right? Children with hunger. Like here I am and the need is great. I have prayer. Man, I'm gonna soak that issue with prayer. I'm gonna pray for children with hunger. And then I'm gonna make my faith a little more real. I have resources. Like I'm going to give to organizations that help with the, pre- uh, the prevention of child hunger. Like I, I, wanna, I wanna give financially every month to help children get what they need. Like I I can make that. Man, education, I have the ability to speak. I I wanna raise awareness. I'm gonna talk to everyone I know that has a heart, right? I'm gonna talk to everybody and I'm gonna educate them about children and hunger. And then I'm gonna bring them a call in action. Here's a couple organizations you can support if that rocks your world and moves your heart. Like, man, I'm gonna do that. So I I can pray, I can give, I can educate. And you know what? I'm gonna partner with with organizations locally, whether in my community or in my church, that's gonna make a difference in that area. So I'm gonna give of my time, I'm gonna give of my talents, I'm gonna give of my, my treasure, and I'm gonna give of my ability. Guys, it really is that easy. Like, seriously, just take a moment and just reflect on what I just shared. It really is that easy. And if you don't walk by faith, you will only ever walk by sight. You will always have a passion and a desire, never doing anything about it. This little boy offered his bread and fish to Jesus. 
It didn't look like much, but it fed probably 10 to 15,000 people. And here you are with what's in your heart, with what God has placed in your hands. Are you going to give it to Jesus and watch him multiply it to change the world around you, to, to, to help with the things you care about? But you can't do that if you hold on. You can't do that if you control. And what we gotta realize is that Jesus can do amazing things through your decision to say, God, I'm all in. Here's a story of a woman named Suzanne Spake. And Suzanne Spake in the 1940s, uh, she was in uh, occupied France. France at the time was occupied by the Germans. And she was a mom with two children and she was married to a filmmaker and they didn't have much. And the whole country of France was rocked by uh, German occupation or not, I should say Nazi occupation. And um, she couldn't bear uh, what was what was happening to the Jewish children. She had a heart for Jewish children and she used what she had, which wasn't much. She had an apartment and she would house children in her apartment until she was able to identify other people who also wanted to save some of these Jewish children. And she would bring them into her apartment until she found somewhere to house them, to clothe them, to feed them. And then she would move them on and eventually get them out of France and get them to places of safety uh, in total. She was able to rescue and save over 60 children with the little she had. What she had was a hope. What she had was a passion. What she had was a dream. And because she was all in and said, God, here's the little I have. I have an apartment. I don't have much, but I have an apartment. I have a place of safety. Jesus, I, I open that to you. I give that to you. And through her, God did amazing and wonderful things and saved over 60 children. You gotta move from the attitude of I have barely enough to I have more than enough. You see, because if you have the attitude of barely enough, it leads to hoarding. And so many of us are hoarders when we don't even realize it. When we think of hoarding, we think of the TV show Hoarders, right? And we think of people with their houses just filled with stuff. And we have to understand what leads to hoarding. What leads to hoarding is often trauma and fear of loss. I've lost so many things in my life, so I wanna hold on and control everything I have because it has a significant value to me emotionally, so I hold on to it because it makes me feel safe, right? That's, the, that's the, the core of hoarding. But so many of us are, man, we're, man, we hoard our money because of fear that we're never gonna have enough. So we don't give, we don't make a difference, and yet it never is enough. But if we gave with, with joy, if we gave uh, uh, with irrational generosity. God will multiply that, make a difference in the world. And God gives back to you. How many of you know you can't outgive God? You can't. Scripture says what I give, I will reap a harvest a hundred times fold. When you give to God in faith, he gives you more than you would have had if you just hoarded it. So we need to understand that, right? So we hold on to things. Some of us, we, we hoard our gifts, our talents, our abilities, and we make excuses. Oh, I don't have time. Oh, I'm so busy. How come it's, the, it's serving God that often pays the price? When we're stressed, when we're frustrated, when we're overwhelmed, we skip out on church first. We skip out on small groups. We skip out on all these things that are life-giving, and we give all of our time to all the things that are sucking us dry. Guys, it's, it's time we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, Philip and Andrew, they had a perspective of, I don't have enough. When we think about the stewards, right, in that first story, the last one who buried that talent, man, he had an attitude of fear. I don't have enough. I'm not gonna be able to multiply, so I'm just gonna bury it. I'm gonna hoard it. But that little boy... That little boy had a faith-filled belief that Jesus can do something with my nothing. 
Jesus can do something with my very little. I can't outgive God. Man, I can't serve God while playing it safe. I can't walk with God. Man, I can't walk with God unless I take risk. And so many of us are jammed up by that fear. Today is the day you have to move from fear. You have to fail forward. And what failing forward means, I have to move to a multiplication mindset that if I trust God with what I have, it's the little things that matter. I need to not play it safe. I need to walk. uh, I need to take risks. I got to walk by faith. You see, God is not concerned with what you don't have. God is concerned with what he has entrusted to you. And for some of you guys, it's time you start taking a risk. It's time you trust Jesus with what he has. He can do a lot more with what you have than what you can do with it. You see, sometimes I try to often remind myself, I say sometimes because I only ever remember it sometimes, but whenever I give, I give expectant. What will God do with this? How will God change the world with this? When I pray, I pray expectant. How will God grab my prayer today and move it to a miracle tomorrow? What is it God placed in your hands and how does he want to use it? Let's bring this to an action step. God, help me to do something with what you placed in my hands. Guys, it's better to do something rather than doing nothing. Doing something is always better than doing nothing. Sitting frozen with what you have creates a frozen faith. You're never gonna walk by faith. You're only ever gonna walk by sight. And some of us are like, man, I I just wanna get closer to God. The way you get closer to God is living as he lived. It's doing something in faith. You get close by God by taking risks. You get close by God by moving forward, not by being frozen. God takes joy in the startup. God takes joy at the beginning of your journey. So many of us are focused on the end, right? But what you gotta realize is in your life, you can have a small things uh, uh, revolution. You see, it's the small things that matter. Staying committed to the small things makes the difference in failing forward in your life. If you wanna grow, guys, it's the small things. If you wanna walk by faith and not by sight, it's the small things. You gotta, you gotta look in your hands. You gotta realize God has given you a tremendous amount of things. You have everything you need to be successful. You have everything you need to walk by faith. You have everything you need. You just have to stop holding on to it and you need to give it away. I need to give it to you, God. And it might mean I'm a little uncomfortable, but I would rather be uncomfortable walking with God than sit in counterfeit security all by myself. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I thank you, Jesus, that we get to walk by faith, not by sight, but it's a choice. Lord God, today we are challenged. Today, Lord God, we're feeling convicted. Lord God, I would rather, we would rather walk with you in faith than to sit alone in counterfeit security. Lord God, we choose you over security. Lord God, we bet the farm on you, God. I bet the farm kind of faith, Jesus. Lord God, may we walk with you by faith and not by sight. Holy Spirit, do that work in us, God. We give to you, Lord, what you've placed in our hands. Anoint it, use it, change the world with it, God. We don't hold on to it anymore, Jesus. In your name, Christ Jesus, bless your people. Amen and amen. Guys, I just want to thank you. This was an awesome message today that God has impacted my life with and convicted me. I know he's done that with you. Make sure you join us next Sunday for part five of our message series, Failing Forward. God's got something to speak into your life. He's going to change your life as he's already been doing. God bless you guys.
hope you enjoyed our podcast. We have a new message that comes out every week. You can click the link in the description below to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or jump onto our website at fusionchurchny.com for more information. We would like you to be a part of what God is doing at Fusion Church, so please subscribe to our podcast and share it on social media. Make sure you tag us. We want to get to know you and feel free to rate us and leave a review.